everyone for being here this morning. As Uncle Larry said in his prayer, that we have the, uh, the, the opportunity here to open up God's word. And anytime that we have that opportunity to open up God's word, that we study, that we look at it, that it will better us. That we can strive to become better Christians in the future than we have in the past. And one of the ways that we can become better Christians is by studying God's word. And I hope that the, the study this morning will be edifying, will be uplifting and beneficial to each and every one of us. I have most of the verses up here on the board. There's going to be one time that we're going to turn to the Bible and study together. So I encourage you, if you have a Bible there with you or some other device, that you can pull up, uh, up, the, uh, up the scriptures. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 18 later on and study from, uh, from there. But I do have most of the verses up here on the board. We're going to be studying and reading from the King James Version this morning. <clears throat> what I want us to talk about this morning is the mercy of God. I want us to look at God's mercy, God's compassion, God's love for mankind, and the magnitude of that, and the awesomeness of God's mercy, that God would extend his mercy to his children. And I want us to understand, I want us, uh, us to study that how we can obtain that mercy and how God has set that mercy and made it available that we have access to that mercy through his son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> mercy, as, as defined in the, <clears throat> in the dictionary there, says that mercy is a, <clears throat> a refraining from harming offenders, enemies, etc., a disposition to forgive or to be kind, the power to forgive, kind or compassionate treatment, a lucky thing, a blessing. And I love it when the dictionary de defines something as a blessing. It is a blessing. Mercy is a blessing. And it says there that it is a refraining from harming offenders, that we should certainly have some of these characteristics in our life of mercy. As the Bible says that, that we should be merciful so we may obtain mercy as it tells in Matthew chapter five. I don't want us to focus too much on how we should be merciful in our, pers our, our personal mercifulness, but I want to talk about God's mercy. Is God this way? Is God a merciful God? Absolutely. God loves mercy. God loves compassion. God has a disposition to forgive or be kind. God, God is kind or compassionate. He has kind and compassionate treatment for us. Those are some of the characteristics of God. And as we start this lesson, I want us to look at God. Look at how God is. Look at some of the characteristics of God and how he does things and why he does things. But think of it this way. Mercy is a refraining from harming offenders. Are you an offender of God? Have you ever offended God? Have you ever done something sinful? Have you ever done something wrong? Have you ever done something bad? The answer to that question is probably each and every one of us has. We have all experienced that. But God has mercy towards us. So I want us to look at God and some of the scriptures there as how he is and some of the things that he has and the characteristics that God has. The Bible tells us in Micah chapter 7 verse 18, the Bible says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the, the transgressions of the, uh, of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Verse 19, he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our, our iniquities and that will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. The Bible says that because he delighteth in mercy. God delights in mercy. God is a merciful God. He delighteth in mercy. He delighteth in compassion. He has those attributes. He has those things. 
But it tells us here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, the Bible also says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to them that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Here the Bible says that God keepeth his covenant. God keepeth his mercy. To who? To those that love him and keep his commandment. But it also says those that hateth God, God will destroy. It says those that, that, re, re, that, that, that he will repayeth them that hate him to their face. Why is that? God is a perfect God. God is holy, holy, holy. And God is just. So in that nature, in God's perfectness, he must be just. That means that the wicked are going to punish. That means he's going to punish the wicked. God can have nothing to do with sin. God can have nothing to do with those people. God can have nothing to do with those things. He must, in his perfectness, take care of those things. But here's the other thing to understand about God. As it tells us in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, the Bible says, Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But that the wicked turn from his, his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? See, God has no pleasure in the death of wicked. He does not enjoy that. It is nothing that, is, it is nothing that he takes pleasure or joy in. But God will do what he has to do. God is perfect. He is just. That means if the wicked must punish and the wicked must die. Right? Because God is perfect. He is just, if you go back and study and look at Noah in the flood, God had to destroy the entire earth. Every person that was on the earth in the time of Noah and the flood, their thoughts were sinful continuously. So God destroyed the earth with the flood and just saved Noah and his family. Do you think God took pleasure in doing that? Absolutely not. Why did God do that? Because God is just and he is perfect and he must be that perfect judge. Those that are wicked, those that are sin, they are guilty immediately. They are guilty. And God needs to take care of those sinful things. But he doesn't take any pleasure in those things. So what is God? God is perfect. God is holy. God is just. God is compassionate. God is merciful. God is love. As the Bible tells us, as the song that we sing, God is love. Absolutely. God is a merciful God. He is a compassionate God. But he's also perfect and holy and just. And that means that there are going to be some that are going to face that judgment. There are going to be some that like those wicked that God is going to have to take care of. The first three here, God is perfect, God is holy, God is just. If God is perfect and he is holy and he is just, well, guess what? Every one of us are wicked and we are sinful. So what's going to happen to us? God is compassionate, God is merciful, God is love, but God is also perfect. He is just. He must be that way. That's why he takes care of those wicked people. He takes care of sin. God must punish sin. Okay? He must punish sin. But then God is also compassionate. God delighteth. He loves mercy. God is a merciful God. God is love. He loves each and every one of us. So something has to happen, right? Something has to happen for you and I to have that mercy. For you and I to receive his compassion and his mercy, something must happen because we are sinners. We have done wrong. We are the offenders that we talked about earlier. 
So what do we deserve? Have you ever thought, have you ever thought about that? I think there's some people that feel that they are, have an entitlement possibly, that they deserve God's mercy. Do you feel like you deserve God's mercy? Or what do we truly deserve? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, please, if you have a Bible there with you. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, and I set this up, Jesus just got done talking about or teaching his disciples there about an offending brother. And how if you offend a brother, you need to go to him by yourself and try to work out that issue. If not, bring two or three more with you, then bring it to the church. He's talking about forgiveness here. And he's trying to teach them to forgive and work out your, 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 your problems with your brother. And then Peter, and I have said it before that I love Peter because he always opens his mouth and he says something that is a wonderful opportunity for Jesus to teach. And in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter says, or, or verse 21, the Bible says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times. Jesus said unto him, I say not, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times 70. And what Jesus is saying there, he's making a point that you forgive your brother, and then you continue to forgive your brother. It's an ongoing forgiveness. But then, he, then, then, but then Jesus says this in verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Before as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. Verse 26, A servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down on his feet and besought him or begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. But went and cast him into prison till he should pay, pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had, what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their, unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, he said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me, because thou begged me. Shouldest not thou have also had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now as we read this, this, this teaching, as we read this story here, there's many times that I have, re have read that teaching how we should be compassionate to each other, how that we should for, uh, forgive each other. But I want to focus on that servant in the beginning half of that. Did that servant deserve to pay his debt, absolutely, it was his. He had a debt, and when it said 10,000 talents, I'm not gonna go into the exact amount, but just you can think of millions and billions of dollars. He could not pay this debt. It was an unpayable debt. But the Lord said, well then let's sell his wife, let's sell his children, let's, let's sell everything that he has, and, and let's get what we can out of this guy. And then the Lord had compassion, and he forgave him all that debt. It's a massive debt. The Lord has said it's time to settle accounts. 
we all have bank accounts, right? Or mo- most of us, we all have things. I, I'm, I'm looking at an accountant right now saying, yeah, we have to take care of business. We have to make sure that our accounts are good, that things are taken care of. This man has such a debt that he would never be able to pay it off. And his Lord showed mercy. He showed compassion and forgave him. But what did that man really deserve? Did he deserve to have to have his family sold? Yeah. That was his debt. It was his account. He should have settled that. But he didn't. He had compassion. And then he should have certainly showed that to his fellow servants as well. Now, we've been studying on Wednesday nights the book of Matthew. And if you have not joined us on Wednesday nights, I will encourage you to do so. It's 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. As we are here on Wednesday nights, we are going through a chapter study. We are about to finish or complete the book of Matthew. And if, you're, and if you're with us, it's a wonderful time of study that we can go in-depth chapter by chapter, and we've been going through the Gospels, and it's been a fantastic study to go in-depth there. One of the things that Brother Ian just got done talking about, and, and Brother Monty, Lord willing, is going to finish, is that's Matthew chapter 27. This is what got me thinking about mercy, is these verses right here. Matthew chapter 27, verse 26 through 28, the Bible says, <clears throat> then released he Barabbas unto them and went and scourged Jesus. He delivered him to be crucified. So there were at the trial. They say, who do you want? Do you want Barabbas? And they said, yes. And they said, we want Jesus to be crucified. So that's what happened. Then in verse 27, it says, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus unto, into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, hundreds of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. Verse 29, and when they had planted a crown of thorns upon his head, and that means that they beat and they really pressed those thorns into the head of Jesus. When they put that crown and they read in his right hand, they bowed the, the knee and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spat upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And then after that, they mocked him and they took, off his, off, they took the robe off of him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to be crucified. That's what Jesus Christ went through. And there's more. There's much more. And I encourage you to study those things. And, I, and it really brought home that mercy because here's the son of God who knew no sin. And we're going to get to that later. And he's being beaten and crucified. Why? Because God is a perfect and a holy and a just God. And sin must be dealt with. God has to punish sin. But Jesus knew, knew no sin, right? So what is going on here? It's the mercy of God. That is what's going on here. Jesus Christ came to this earth to take those things upon our sins or the sins of the whole world upon his soldiers, or on his shoulders and to be crucified. And it, made me, and it made me think of Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. You know, I work at hunting and I get wages and my wages are because of what I do. I machine metal or I write a program to machine metal and I make a part that is sold and I get paid to do that and the more parts that I make the more things we sold the happier Nathan is and everybody else is and we got money that's that we're, we're business that's what we need to do I do something and I get paid for them well guess what if you sin what your payment is is death that's what you're going to get paid everyone gets paid that same wages if they sin. What's the wages? See previous verses. What do we deserve? What, 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 went with, what, what Jesus went through. That's what we deserve. We deserve that beating. We deserve that punishment. We deserve that, that, those things that Jesus went through. 
Why? Because we've sinned. The wages of sin is death, that kind of death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's mercy. That's God's mercy. That God is a merciful God. He delights in mercy. He delights in being compassionate. But God must make sure that sin is taken care of. He can have nothing to do with sin. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 11. This is the parable of the Pharisee and the publican, which I believe Nathan pre- pre- preached on a little bit last Sunday, as well, well as John recently, as well as many of us have. This is a wonderful parable. I'll encourage, encourage you to study it all the time. If you're unsure of how you're acting, you can do a Pharisee-Publican check. Go back and see how your attitude is. Are you a Pharisee or are you a publican? And the parable says here, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 11, the Bible says, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. So see, he take, uh, 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 just to make this point, is that Jesus starts off teaching this to who? To people that trusted in themselves, okay? Keep that in mind. People that trusted in themselves. And if you read about this Pharisee, you'll see that he's all, I, 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 me, me, me. Look at me. Look at what I've done. I am trusting in myself. And then he continues on there in verse 12. It says, I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his head, as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. What did the publican say? He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus said, that man went down to his house justified. As I was studying this, and I've studied this parable a lot, as I looked at it, I almost thought that the, the Pharisee was, was sitting there telling, telling God that, you know, I deserve your mercy. I'm entitled to it because I'm such a good guy. But it's a little deeper than that. If you, if you look at this Pharisee, he'd even recognize that he needed God's mercy. The publican not only recognized that he was in great need of God's mercy, he begged for it. He smote upon his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, because he needed mercy. Mercy is a rescue. We need to be rescued. And that's what God and his son Jesus Christ have done. They have extended that hand to rescue us from the depths of our sin. And that's what this, this publican recognized. He said, God, be merciful to me because I need it. Do we recognize our great need for God's mercy? Are we like that Pharisee who thinks that our own righteousness is going to get us somewhere? That we are justified in trusting in ourselves and not justified in trusting in God. God is the one that's going to give us that mercy. If you want mercy to be saved, it's going to come from God and his son, Jesus Christ. Do we recognize our great need for that? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, the, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit or to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, 
not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. What needs to happen? There need, we need to be reconciled unto God. We have to be reconciled unto God because God is just, right? God is perfect and he must punish sin. And we are sinful creatures. So if we want to be with God, there has to be some kind of reconciling there. And the Bible here says that, that, that God was with Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Trespasses, that's, that's trespasses against God. That's sin against God. And God is saying that he did not impute those things unto them. That word imputing, that's like what we just studied with that parable of Matthew chapter, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 18. That's a reckoning. That's an account. So if you think about it, we have a debt, brothers and sisters. We have a sinful debt. We have trespasses in, in, in account, in a bank account, if you will. And God must make sure that that thing is taken care of, must make sure that your account is settled. But the debt is unpayable. We cannot pay this debt just like that servant did. And here is saying that God did not impute our trespasses upon us, our account. What did he do? He took our debt and he put it on Jesus' account. He took our debt, our trespasses, our unpayable debt and put it into Jesus' bank account, so to speak. And then what did he do? Then he closed the account. God made sure that he was able to take care of sin because God must punish sin. Jesus took our debt that we owe upon his account, and then God was able to settle, settle that account by punishing Jesus. That is just amazing. It is amazing to me, especially if you think of today's world. Nobody's going to come and pay my debt. What if I have a giant debt in my bank account? Someone's going to be like, well, you made it. You better take care of it. God showed mercy and compassion by imputing those things, putting those things on Jesus' account, and then making sure that he settled that, that account. That is amazing, brothers and sisters. That is the mercy of God. We, like that servant, deserve to try to pay our own account by being punished. But Jesus did that for us. And that is merciful. First, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, continuing reading there, it explains that a little bit more. How it says, now that we are ambassadors for Christ, as although God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Is that they're begging you, be reconciled to God. God has made that transfer, so to speak, of your account available to you. It says in verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The debt of sin for us is unpayable. So how do we fix that issue? Or how is that issue fixed? How does God take care of that issue? He said that he made Jesus sin for us. What does that mean? He imputed that sin. He imputed that account, those trespasses onto Jesus' account, and then settled that account. That is amazing. That way we could be able to be made righteous, that we could be reconciled to God, that we would have that mercy of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So as we talked about, it says here that Jesus, that God... Blessed be the God of, of our Father, Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, his abundant mercy, he has saved us 
through Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ was able to make sure that that debt was taken care of because God is perfect, God is holy, and God is just, and God can have nothing to do with sin. So that sin of ours, that debt, that trespasses of ours was put upon Jesus' account, and then God settled that account. And then, now we have no debt, and then God gives us an inheritance? It's, it's kind of mind-blowing to me. Not only do we not have that debt of sin anymore, we have an inheritance. We are heirs that we can have that hope of eternal life. That is God's mercy. That not only would he take care of those things for us, that we could not take care of for ourselves, but that he would give us an inheritance. Life eternal. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. I thank, and I thank Riley for, for reading that for me this morning. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7 kind of really concludes or, or, or kind of really capsulizes everything that we're kind of discussing and talking about and studying this morning. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, the Bible says, But after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. That's his compassion. Because compassion and mercy go together. They're, they're, they're married concepts, so to speak. That God is a compassionate God, and that compassion led God to be merciful. That that kindness, that love, that compassion of God has led him towards this mercifulness. And it says they're not by works of righteousness, which we have done, just like that Pharisee. It's not of righteousness or anything that we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of, reg of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's the same as that inheritance. Not only is the debt settled, we are heirs now according to that hope of eternal life. It is amazing. God's mercy is amazing. That it says there that, but according to his mercy, God saved us. Because that's what mercy is. It's a rescue. We needed to be saved. Make sure that you recognize your great need to be saved. That you recognize your great need for that rescue. And it says, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to get to that here towards the end of, of the lesson. That through that, you have access to that mercy, access to that faith. That through God's mercy you are saved, which he shed abundantly on everybody through Jesus Christ our Savior. God's mercy is wonderful. God's mercy is amazing. Lay hold of God's mercy. God has made that mercy accessible. We have access to that mercy. We have access to that hope. We have access to that eternal life. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18, for though we were both for though, or through him, excuse me, for through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. We have access now. God has made it to where your account can be settled. An account that you cannot pay. Jesus paid that account. And he has made it available to you. But if you have looked at what we've been studying as we went through 2 Corinthians and Titus and 1 Peter, that it is through Jesus that we have that. It is in Jesus that we have that mercy that is in Jesus that we have that hope of eternal life. And Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 says, For many of you have, have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, the washing of re regeneration through the Holy Spirit. That we have that available to us. That's what God's mercy was through Jesus Christ on that cross of Calvary. A death that we deserved. A debt that we should have paid. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 and 19, the Bible says that, 
by two immutable things, it, it was, was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. And we're talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our hope. Jesus Christ is our anchor. And here in Hebrews chapter 6, the Bible says that those who have fled for that and lay hold on that hope set before us, as we talked about, God has made that mercy. He has set that mercy in everybody's reach. Everybody on earth is able to have that mercy. It is set before you, much like this cup, God or this bottle. God has set that before you. And what the Bible says, say, you need to lay hold of that because God's mercy is there. It's right there for each and every one of us. But you got to reach out and grab it. Just like I talked about that hand that's reaching out, that rescue, that God's mercy, reaching out to pull you out of your sin. You got to grab that hand. And that's what it's saying here. Grab, lay hold of that hope as an anchor for the soul. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, the Bible says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye, or you, should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the, the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Have you obtained that mercy this morning? It is set before you. It is available for you. The Bible says that those that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, if you have not laid hold of that salvation, if you have not taken a hold of that cup of mercy, you are still in darkness. God has made that available to each and every one of us that we can obtain that mercy. This morning, if you are not a child of God, if you have not obtain that mercy if you have not laid hold of that mercy of that hope that is Jesus Christ who settled your debt and your account the mercy of God is wonderful and it's accessible to all we have here water we are prepared to to assist you with that if you are a child of God and you are in need of prayers that you have possibly let your hold of that mercy slip some and you need to grab it a little tighter this morning we are here to help you with that as well there's anything that we can do for you Please come stand on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand, as we sing.